but today, specifically, you know, we asked the question, we talked about the kingdom of God and staying oriented to the kingdom. What is the kingdom? But now we kind of are moving closer and closer towards how do we decide what to do as a local church? How do we decide how to put our limited time and energy into initiatives that will anticipate the kingdom? And there's a, before we get to talking about that, talking about breaking bread together in each other's homes and um, praying together and reading the scriptures and um, all of that good stuff that churches do, there's one kind of intermediate step that we have to take that a lot of churches miss. And it's the fact that God calls us to stay oriented to the kingdom through two things, through preaching and through healing. And so we'll talk about that today, staying oriented to the kingdom through preaching and healing. And I, I rem I'm remembering that, um, oh dear, I've, left my, I've lost my clicker. All right, looks like we're on together today, Michael. <laughs> um, so next, next picture here is Walmart. I, I, I was sitting in church, I don't know, I must have been 18 or 19, and it was a really good sermon, and I was really inspired. And the pastor, I don't even remember what he was saying, uh, but I remember him being inspired afterwards to go out to Walmart and start preaching. I was like, I don't know, I want to go out to Walmart, to a public place, and I want to preach the gospel. So, you know, in my youthfulness, I went out and, um, and, uh, and, and I took a buddy with me, we went together, and I remember on the way I was just so nervous, and like, what are we going to do, how are we going to do this? And, and so I remember praying, God, you know, please, please help me. And I remember going boldly into the front doors and walking straight to the back of Walmart and being like, okay, I can't do this. And so um, we, we talked and I was like, I think I'm kind of chickening out. I was talking to my buddy. I think I'm kind of chickening out. I don't know what to do. And he's like, well, how about this? How about we, instead of sort of preaching, uh, like just like bullhorning people, like let's, let's uh, just ask if people want prayer. Let's go up to people and ask them if they want the prayer and we'll pray for them. And so I remember that, um, oh, thanks, Abel. Here's my hero. I left it back there. Thanks, man. I remember um, going up to a number of people and saying, I'm just here, I was wondering, I'm here praying for people. Do you want prayer? And uh, I remember, you know, some people were like, oh, okay, yeah. And I remember praying for people's children and people's uh, sicknesses and all sorts of concerns that people's, people had. And then you went up to some people and I'm like, I'm here to pray for you. We like prayer. And they're like, uh, no, thank you. You know, and so you kind of, okay, walk away. And uh, the, I remember we were leaving and I was like, oh, this was, this was fun, this was great. And I was like, I think, I think there's one more person I have to pray for. So I went back in, and I went into the CD aisle. There were still CDs then. I went into the CD aisle, and there was this guy there, and he must have been in his 50s, uh, early 60s maybe. And I said, hi, I'm here praying for people. you want prayer? And he said, why would you pray for me? And I said, well, I'm just, just you know, kind of trying to care for people, trying to see what people need. He's like, well, I don't believe in God. I said, okay, well, I still can still pray for you. And, he's, and, and he started like, leaning into the younger generation. And yeah, he said, you younger generation, you like believe in God so easily, but you haven't seen the horrors of the world. You haven't seen the disappointments of the world. And I said, well, tell me more about that. Like, what have you seen? He said, well, and he, and he told me his story. And he told me he was a Vietnam veteran um, and that he had uh, fought in, you know, in the Vietnam War and that he had been forced to do unspeakable things sort of in the name of this war. And these things that he had done had haunted him. And he said, I don't know how a God that could be loving could, could allow me to be in a situation where I had to do these things and see these things. And so I just listened to him. And, um, and so I said, look, like, 
And then he got into me. He's like, you, and you younger generation, you have no idea. You haven't studied the war. You haven't studied all of it. You know, you haven't, you don't know anything about what we went through. I was like, it's true. I don't know much about what you went through. But here's the deal. I said, if, if I go read a book about the Vietnam War and meet you in two weeks for coffee, can I pray for you then? He's like, yes. He's like, we'll do that. That's the deal. And so I remember leaving, and then I went to fill up, you know, the gas station. And then he was there on the other side of the gas station filling up his tank. And we were like, hi, you know, it's a kind of awkward wave. <laughs> anyway, we went off, and I got a book from the library and read about the Vietnam War and went to the coffee shop two weeks later where we said we would meet, and he was a no-show. Oh, unfortunately. But I'll never forget that experience because I thought to myself, you know, I, I went in trying to, to preach the gospel, trying to want to, to proclaim God's kingdom. And here I come into this man who who was broken and, and, uh, and far from God. And yet, I remember when we were apart from the gas, you know, across from each other at the gas station, I waved at him, he waved back. He said, you know what? I had a feeling I was going to meet someone tonight. I had a feeling that, that, that something was going to happen to me out of the ordinary. And I think that God might have met me. That was the last thing he said to me before. So, anyway, I, uh, I tell this story because, you know, it's, it's our, part of our mission as a church to preach and to heal. And yet, as we think about those two things, as we think about the ways that churches have preached and the way that the churches have gone about healing, oftentimes we kind of shudder and we kind of think, ooh, I don't want to be any part of that. Um, and, you know, and for, for good cause, because when you think about preaching, preaching is, is proclaiming the fact that there's a, a, a kingdom out here that is the, the, the best, most imaginable situation, best best way to order our society, our relationships, our whole life, um, it, it can be a scary thing. And some people have just gone out literally on the street corners with bullhorns and try, you know, try to scare people or guilt people. Preaching can be so many things. I've, I've talked previously about, uh, you know, when, when you become a follower of God and you follow after him and you, and you stay with him, you know, your, your life will change. Your life will be transformed. The things that used to be your vices, the things that used to ruin and tank your life, get transformed and they become new and uh, they become uh, something quite beautiful that allows you to, to flourish and grow. And, you know, and so even just that process of growing and transforming can be the best sermon that you could preach to those who you love and those who are around you. You know, some people might say, I've known you your whole life and you've been so annoying in this certain area of your life and, and yet somehow you've changed, somehow you've grown and, and that could be the best type of preaching. And healing, when we get to healing, we'll get into this a bit today too. You know, we think of the, the big, you know, televangelists who like put their hands up and everyone falls down. So we're going to try that. No, I'm just teasing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's one way that people go about doing that. But healing sometimes happens, I don't know, it's unexplainable. Sometimes healing happens, you, you, you pray for someone, and healing can happen immediately. I've, I've, I've sort of, I've seen it, I've heard of that. Uh, but sometimes healing is a long process. Sometimes healing from emotional wounds or traumas or experiences that have gone, sometimes it takes a really long time to heal. So, Anyway, uh, healing and preaching. And the word I get this from, I'm not just sort of pulling this out of the air. This is, these are the two main things that Jesus asks his disciples to do. And two main things that we still are called to today. Even though it may look a little different than sometimes we might expect. So Jesus calls his disciples. He appointed 70 people, 70 others when he was on, on earth in his ministry. And sent them on ahead of him in pairs, two by two, to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. 
Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. See these two things. It's, it's right here. Cure the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into a street and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. You know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than that for that town. And that's not a very nice thing to say, Jesus. But he says it. But here's the point. It's right here in the middle. Cure the sick who are there. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near. These two things that Jesus asks for, preaching and healing. I believe, oh, there it is. I believe that, you know, as we think about helping build for the kingdom, there's two things here that we always have to ask ourselves. Is what we're doing healing and what we're doing preaching. And this is what helps establish the kingdom of God. So, uh, we'll get into this a bit more. And, and basically the point is this. The church that stays oriented to, the ki- oriented to the kingdom will always be asking themselves, is what I'm doing either preaching or healing? And is it possible to busy ourselves with initiatives that do both at once? And so, uh, brothers and sisters, as, as you think about the ministries going ahead and what we're about to do here at Grassroots Church going forward, ha- I want you to know that in my mind, I'm always asking myself, you know, good ideas always bubble up. In, in communities. I'm always asking myself, is this going to heal someone emotionally, physically, spiritually? And is this going to help proclaim the gospel that Jesus is Lord? And if so, amazing, let's do it. And if we can find things that do both of those at once, this is like the bullseye of how to help design ministry at a church. Uh, so basically what I'm going to do for the rest of the time today is I'm going to talk about Jesus' call to preach and heal. And I'm going to do a little experiment. I'm going to put that up against the teaching of church that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians. And uh, as, we, as we talk about 1 Corinthians, um, Paul is a follower of Jesus. Jesus has died. And he's, he appeared to Paul. Paul became an apostle and uh, a person who went around from town to town preaching from Walmart to Walmart of the ancient world, uh, making disciples and, and planning churches. And he writes his letters to these churches in order to help them figure out how to do church. How do we do this thing together in a way? And I'm going to put Jesus' call right up next to Paul's, some of Paul's teachings from 1 Corinthians. And as we do it, uh, we, we have to, um, we're kind of entering into a foreign world. Uh, the ancient world, the, the one that Paul was in, was a very foreign world to us. And when, when we read his, his writings, we, we, you know, when he talks about church, you know, here we think about church, coming on a Sunday morning, singing a few songs, taking communion, hearing someone talk for a long time. And, you know, that's our sort of way to do it. But for Paul, the, the, here, here's how it would have been done. Uh, we would have gotten together in this room, probably... Probably, the church probably wouldn't have been as, about as big as the, you know, the center aisle here. We'd have, we would have gathered around and we'd have been praying. And a person would stand up and they would say, I believe that God is telling me to say this to you all. And then they would listen and they would, then they would kind of confer. Is this what God is saying to you or is this just sort of our weird brother over here talking about how we need to do his project again? You know, and then, and then Paul says, if someone else, if, if another prophet, he talks about prophecy, and prophecy is this speaking the word of God and trying to, to encourage each other and build each other up. If someone else, if, you, if, if I'm standing up and I'm saying, I think God is telling us that we need to go to Walmart and preach to people. And another person has another idea at the same time. I have to shut my mouth and sit down and they get a chance. 
And so you can imagine all this interrupting happening up and down. But Paul, this is church for Paul. Like that's what, he, that's what church was for the, for the ancient world and for, for, or for the early Christians. So anyway, I want to set that up because as we get into Paul's teachings, you have to understand that. Well, apostles and prophets, I'm not going to go through all this, but apostles and prophets. Apostles were people that lived and saw Jesus. They walked with him, talked with him, ate with him. They, they, they lived with him during his ministry. That's what the definition of an apostle was, someone who has seen the Lord. Uh, and so Paul, we know this because Paul says uh, in one of his letters, I'm an apostle too, haven't I seen the Lord? And that means that he came to him in a vision. So, um, and, and basically we believe that the sort of the apostleship, those who are apostles sort of ended, um, ended at the time uh, of Paul. Now, when we talk about people having apostolic gifts, we talk about them, they're, they're the type of people who just naturally go, go around wherever they go and create little groupings of new believers. They go around and they create a new church, and they go around and create another new church, and they're sort of traveling type of ministers. And so people can, people, we don't believe people are apostles anymore. They don't have the authority that the apostles that saw Jesus did. But the apostles, we talk about people having apostolic gifts. And that's what that kind of is. And prophets, you know, sometimes we think prophets come up to you. And I've had a prophet in a, in a, a church come up to me and say, uh, I have a word for you, Keith. You know, I, you know in 1992, you were in this city and God was saying to you um, that you should have followed him in this way and you didn't. You know, something like that. And I was like, well, first of all, I wasn't in that city in 1992. <laughs> and then I don't believe God said that to me. So uh, prophecy isn't that type of thing. What prophecy is, is what I'm doing here. I'm opening the word. I'm preaching a word of encouragement. And you all may have a gift some of you, you all may all have a gift of prophecy, of being able to speak encouraging words and building each other up with, with uh, some proclamation. And then gifts of healing, um, working miracles. See, I, I love how these are two different things because gifts of healing can be someone who sits down with a good friend and just listens. I can, you know, the most, some of the most healing thing that you can do to someone is just, just really listen. Be really curious about them and listen. Some of you might have gifts of, of, of healing. Uh, but it can range from that. It can range to maybe you're a doctor. Maybe you have been trained to heal the physical body in ways that the rest of us haven't been. That's healing as well. Some of you might have gifts of healing. Uh, and working of miracles is a bit different. It's uh, sort of having a gift that, that to be able to do things that, you know, the, uh, the scientific world can't explain. And then on and on and on. And so you get discernments of spirits, tongues and interpretations, forms of assistment, deeds of power. And we, we're going, I don't really, we don't really understand this stuff because it's kind of foreign to us. So anyway, I wanted to get into that before I jumped into this because otherwise it might be a little hard to understand. So we get into Paul asking, what does Paul have to say about church? What does he have to say about all of this in the midst of how to, how to do church? You know, um, and we, and, we, and we see a few things. that Paul, Paul's going to talk about a body, a body of people who together work for a purpose. And uh, you can find in fragments around his, his writings in the book of 1st and 2nd Corinthians some of what he, what he means. He believes that the church, we're like a fragrance of life to those who are dying. This is the whole body's purpose. All right, staying oriented to the kingdom. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in every triumphal procession and through us, spreads in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing him. That's what he says. That's who we are as a church. We spread the fragrance of knowing him, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one of fragrance from death to death, 
Sometimes some people who don't really know God and don't understand, sometimes it's like we stink like death, he says. Uh, but, to, but to those whose eyes are open, we're fragrance from life to life. He's, who is sufficient for these things? And I love that because we think to ourselves, God has called his church to be the aroma of life to people who are dying. Who's sufficient for that? Uh, he talks about being light in the darkness. If we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ. And you see his proclaiming word over and over again. That's part of our job is to preach. Proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts. And listen carefully, brothers and sisters, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. We have a calling to announce reconciliation. Proclaim in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. This is a big task for a church. And these are the types of things he's saying, stay oriented, stay focused. You have a job to do in this world for me. Um, and, and so we come across the Apostle Paul. And here, here's his story in Corinth. He, we see this in Acts 18. Paul travels to Corinth, feels inspired to go to this city of Corinth, and he begins preaching on the streets, bullhorning these people. And uh, he talks in the synagogues, and they didn't, the synagogue, the, the Jewish community, they don't listen to him, so he says, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And he's preaching, and he says this. He says, Crispus, the official of the synagogue, became a believer in the Lord, together with all his household, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul became believers and were baptized. And this is the foundation of the Corinthian church. These few believers um, who believed that this, this strange message that the Jewish Messiah is Lord of the universe. And, and they gathered together. Now Paul stays with them, says, for about a year and a half or two years, kind of builds them up, and then leaves them in the hand of the leaders of the church, the local leaders. And he begins, uh, after he's left, hearing some pretty bad things. He's saying uh, there's divisions in the church. There's uh, kind of people have corrupting, corrupted decaying lifestyles, and they're kind of laughing about it. They're into all sorts of behaviors that aren't godly. And, and Paul hears about this, and it's like, Papa Bear is not happy. You know, and so he, he's, he's upset in his spirit. And so he, he begins writing them letters, giving them instructions. And so this is where we come in, in 1 Corinthians. He's away, he's, here, he's heard about some things that have gone wrong, and so he's writing them some instructions. He says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we are all baptized into the one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of the spirit. And he's saying, okay, guys, you're like a body, and this body is going to serve this purpose of being an aroma to the world, of being a light to the world. This, this body is going to be uh, in service of my larger kingdom. And he's saying, it's not going well. So think of yourselves as a body. Now, my, my daughter, Autumn, she's six, and she goes to a Catholic school up on the north side. And I'll never forget that we were one day out at the park near us, and she, she, she saw a buddy of hers from class. And, uh, and they were talking in gibbering like little six-year-olds do. And I was like, oh, okay, Autumn, it's time to leave now. And we were leaving, and this little boy, six-year-old boy, calls from the playground to Autumn's, Autumn! And he goes like this. He goes, you are the body of Christ. 
<laughs> I, was, I was like, Autumn, what is it? They were singing that song in school that week. He's like, you are the body of Christ. And I was like, well, it's kind of close. Like, you're part of it too, buddy. But, you know, it's like, <laughs> but he got it. Like, we are a body. And so we get this sense that, that this, this church thing should be seen like a body. And he goes on and on about this. And he says, you know, some of you are like a foot. You know, and some of you are like a hand of the body, and some of you are like an ear of the body, and some of you are like a nose. And he says, um, but, if, but if we were all an eye, if we were, where would the smelling be? If we were all an ear, where would the seeing be? And he says, you know, you have to think of yourselves as a unit of people who have different gifts. And so he's like, that's what he says. If we were all a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members Yet one body. The feet, I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think are less honorable, we clothe with great honor. Paul's saying, read between the lines here. And our less respectable members are treated with great respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. So just, I'm, I'm going to talk more about this next week uh, and how unity is so important in the body. Unity and honoring one another is so important for this thing to go and for this thing to, to have any traction because so many churches are filled with disunity and dishonor that it's no wonder that so many people have been disaffected by the church. I believe that grassroots has a chance to be a place where people who have been disaffected by the church, people whose faith has been broken by disunity in the church can come and, and that can be restored and healed. But here, let, let me just dig in here for a second. The more respectable members are, or less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Now, if you walk around Thunder Bay, we have... A lot of stigma, right? We have a lot of different division. We have a lot of different classes and types of people kind of coexisting, cohabiting in this one place, whether they're new to the, to the country or whether they've been here for longer than anybody else. There's lots of different people cohabiting here. And you look out and some of them are lonely and some of them are broken and some of them have nothing. And, 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 and Paul says, look, it's, it's those members that come into a congregation that are treated with the most respect. Let's just think about that for a minute. What would that look like for the most less respectable members, people who are respected less generally, to be treated with greater respect? That's what he says. That's how the body works. So we'll get into that more later. I just wanted to prime the pump there a little bit on that. That's how this thing goes. That's, honestly, to me, I mean, I can sit up here and preach for two hours, but if we could say to ourselves time and time again, look, the people in, in the world who are the, the, the hurting the most, that the least respected, have the greatest honor in this body, I, don't, I wouldn't have to say a word. And the gospel would be preached profoundly. So, just, uh, but, but we get into this. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice with it together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And here's the thing. Uh, we can easily slip into a position and a posture in a church where we're all out, kind of, we come together, we, it's like we drink from the trough and we all go out and we do our, our individual things. But Paul's saying, no, we're a body. 
when, when, we, when we live together and we breathe together and we fellowship together and someone suffers, we're all going to suffer together. And if one gets like a, a medal of respect from the queen, we're going to rejoice with them. Um, and and that's, how this, that's how this type of thing works. And I believe that grassroots has the potential uh, it's been this already some, but it has the potential to grow by leaps and bounds, I believe, in this type of um, fellowship. And then he, then he starts talking specifically for the meat for today. He said, we have different gifts. You have different gifts. God has given you different skills and different passions and different abilities. But it goes beyond abilities. He's saying it's like the Holy Spirit will come upon you as a believer and give you a special gift for a special time in order to, uh, to build up the church. And he, and he lists them out here. Apostles, prophets, teachers, people who deeds of power, gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, and various kinds of tongues, which is probably, I mean, it, speaking in tongues is like mouth gibberish, but sometimes the early church was able to like say things and they, they were, thought they were speaking in English, but they were really speak, the French, French hearers were really speaking French and Spanish speakers were really hearing Spanish. This, this, profound thing the Holy Spirit did. And he's saying, some of you have various kinds of tongues. And he begins saying that tongues, the, the gibberish type of thing, is like the least important gift because you can speak a million words in gibberish and how does that help anybody? Like that's, you're speaking mysteries and you're communing with God and that's good. But to build up the church, he's like, I'd rather speak five words in English or French than a million words in, in gibberish. Uh, so he, he starts going up. Leadership, forms of assistance, uh, prophets, apostles, and he, and he says, seek the greater gifts. Now, uh, you know, as, as we kind of reorganize this all, you know, look, look at this. Um, uh, Paul, I believe, is following Jesus' model in preaching and healing. If you're an apostle, you're someone who preaches, someone who speaks the truth about Jesus being king. Second, prophets, you speak you, you proclaim Jesus is king and you help people come close to God. Third, teachers, it's kind of a hybrid one. Teachers both proclaim the gospel, but they also heal people. They also come alongside of people and take them from where they're at and teach. Deeds of power, gifts of healing, forms of assistance. This is all healing stuff. Forms of leadership is a healing thing. If you're a leader, you are leading a group of people towards God. Various kinds of tongues. So if we look in the middle of this, preaching and healing kind of endure as two main Focus points for us. Uh, and oh yeah, I put it here. But strive for the greater gifts and I will show you still a more excellent way. And this is where, right after this, you all re might remember the great love verse in 1 Corinthians 13. It goes right into the love verse. I'll show you a more excellent way. You can have all these gifts. You can proclaim the word. You can heal. But if you do not have love, it's worth nothing. And I, I think some of you might know what that feels like to be preached at to be sort of maybe have a heavy hand of someone coming down uh, as a Christian upon you. Um, and you might go, you know what? I've heard the gospel. I've heard this Christian thing, but I haven't seen love. You know, and to me, you know, and, and, and I think of that and that grieves me because at the heart of this all, at the heart of the, the, the true version of this faith comes this selfless love that doesn't impose anything on anyone else, but invites them in. It says, you know, there's something more to what you know. And it's called the kingdom of God. And, and when we think about preaching, Peter comes in here to help us at this point. He says, always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and reverence. 
What's gentleness other than a non-forcing, non-coercive invitation? And what's reverence other than the ability to look in every person's eye that you see and see a son or daughter of God in it? You look past the differences. Look past the annoying things. Look past the weak parts. Reverence is I can look into your eyes and see a hidden nobility. Whoever the person is. And that's what Paul, Peter, Peter is telling us to do. Preaching isn't about hammering people over the head with the Bible. Preaching is about finding creative ways in order to, to proclaim the fact that this life isn't all that, all that it could be. That there's a kingdom of God out there. And healing, you know, we talk about healing. You know, this is an example of Paul at the end of his life. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. So it happened that the father of Publius lay sick in bed with fever and dysentery. Paul visited him and cured him by praying and putting his hands on him. After this happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They bestowed many honors upon us. And we were, when we were about to sail, they put on board all the provisions we needed. So here it is. I'll just say a few more words on this and we'll be done. The kingdom of God will become established on the earth someday. His loving, merciful, forgiving, healing reign will, will wash over the earth like tides covering uh, the sea, it says, the, the scriptures say. Uh, and yet we know that we're not there quite yet. We know that we look around us and we see all ways in which... Um, the earth is not a reflection of his will on heaven, in, as, as, as his will is done in heaven. And our job as the church, as we've been saying, is to bring, anticipate this new creation, to bring it to earth as much as we possibly can. Um, and so um, what, what does this mean for us? We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, this means, sometimes it means going to Walmart <laughs> and praying for people. Uh, but probably most of the time it means uh, finding the ways in which this world is not yet as it should be and doing our best to make it as it should. And sometimes that means uh, telling the, story, the great scriptural story. Other times that means standing up to power and speaking truth to them when they've gone corrupt. Other, sometimes it means creating sustainable gardens and, 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 and giving the food to people who have no, no vegetables. Sometimes it means saying, there are people in this community that may not be welcome, but we're going to stand up and, and stand alongside of them anyway. And saying that in the kingdom of God, every tongue and tribe and nation will come together around his throne. Uh, and so, what does this mean for you? I, I believe churches need to always ask, am I healing in what I'm doing? Or am I just further hurting? And am I preaching? Or am I forgetting to remind people that there's a whole new way of being whole way of being that many people don't know about, which is the kingdom of God and Jesus is Lord. And I believe individually, I, I do this personally, because we, we can get busy with all sorts of things, can't we? We can get busy with all sorts of things that aren't preaching and healing. And I do this personally. I always ask my, every six months, I do a great thing where I take a few days and I say, all right, where am I heading here? Where am I going personally? Is what I'm invested in preaching and what is what I'm invested in healing? And if not, then maybe something should go. Maybe, maybe, some, maybe there's something in my life that will, 
uh, that, isn't, that I don't need to be involved in. Uh, but here's the thing. Every time I ask these questions, most of my hobbies, most of my passions, they can all be utilized for the purpose of preaching and healing. It's just that we have to remember to do it. Sometimes we can get involved with the things we love and forget that, um, oh, we, um, I haven't thought about these things. So we'll get next time into worship and formation, and we're getting more close to, you know, what, what's Grassroots going to do next year? Like, what's our first step into the, uh, into the great future uh, as, a, as a community, as a body of believers? And we'll talk about that in, in the coming weeks. But uh, it's so important for us to remember preaching and healing. It's just Jesus' main call on our lives. What does it mean for you? What does it mean for your life? And which member of the body are you? They're important questions for us to ask. So, but when we, when we think of all of this, we, we remember that uh, you know, we follow a, a Lord, we follow one who doesn't just send us off into the wilderness alone to do this work. He sends us his comforter. He sends us his Holy Spirit in order to help us to become as the best body of Christ as possible. And so uh, Jesus is with us now. He's with us in this room. He's with us. He understands us. He understands where you are in your life and the challenges you may be facing today. And he thought of us way back many, many thousands of years ago when he said, I'm going to make a supper for my meal, my last, my last supper. And, and at that meal, he showed his believers what it looked like to give true and selfless love. And he says, I'm, my body is going to be broken so that you don't have to be trapped in sin for your life. And my, my blood is going to be shed so that you might find freedom and life and healing where your life was heading towards death and destruction. And so he breaks the bread and he pours out the wine and he says, every time you meet, do this in memory of me. And so we come again once again to this table and we remember that the one who calls us to be a body, the one who is our head, broke himself for us. So what, whatever it is today that the Lord is saying to you, I don't know. I wish I knew. I wish I, wish I could take time to know what everyone that God has been saying to you through this um, time together today, through worship and through this message. But whatever it is to you, um, whatever's in your heart, whether you're asking yourself, you know what, I don't really know what my place is in the body. Or whether you're saying, look, I've been broken in my life too. Or whether, whether it's, I don't know if I believe this stuff, but I want to believe this stuff. Or whether it's wherever you're at today, uh, God invites you to his table to take a piece of bread and dip it in the juice and to say, um, perhaps God, show up to, to me today, inspire me, help me to understand how to shape my life so that it's building for your kingdom.